1: In most cases, it can be difficult. There's a lot of like reverse engineering, a lot of playing with the ransomware.
0: That's Michael Gillespie. He's a programmer at Emsisoft. He's written decryptors for a number of high-profile ransomware strains, and he runs the ID Ransomware website, along with a popular YouTube channel, where he demonstrates how he writes his decryptors. Most recently, he wrote a decryptor for the Cirque strain of ransomware. That's where we began our conversation.
1: Lots of various techniques we have to do. Sometimes I can't even reverse it myself. I have to kind of call upon some teammates to help me. In this case, it was honestly a very easy one to reverse. (laughs) Hmm. Kind of those difficulties didn't really apply. And what made it easy? Honestly, part of it is just how it was built with a language called .NET. It's just a very easy language to reverse back almost to exact source code. I can just put it into a decompiler and read exactly what the original source code was. There's not a lot of going through a debugger or anything like that in most cases.
0: And so in this case, once you're able to do that and you see the methods that they're using for encryption, what did you discover?
1: So in this one, there was a pretty, I want to say, common flaw with how they handle the key. Sometimes I have to still be vague in case they're still active. Sure. In this case, it There's no way for me to know how active they were just, you know, based on the infection vector with it being like a fake Fortnite cheat client. It's also one of those cases where there might not be many victims who report that they're infected. I kind of get this with there's another ransomware that's extremely large right now that I've been fighting for over a year that all of the victims come from kind of the same thing, downloading some type of an illegal tool or cheat thing. And Mm -hmm. they're sometimes not. Really forthcoming about that, it's, you know? Hey, I'm right. a victim. I got infected, but I was also kind of doing something dirty. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, interesting. Well, can you give us some insight, sort of, uh,
0: the spectrum of what you run into in terms of the range of sophistication when it comes to these folks implementing different types of encryption technologies?
1: Pretty much any and anywhere. I mean, over my career, so to say, I've seen anywhere from you know, you get. Basic XORing or you have like, say, like a really sophisticated encryption scheme, kind of like uh, the larger pro airs usually do more sophisticated, like Tesla Crypt back in the day was pretty advanced. It used a lot of elliptical curves. Honestly, I, th- I worked a lot with the researcher who broke that one and he actually gave me his detailed notes on it. I understood his notes, but I don't think I'd been able to figure that out myself. (laughs) Mm, Interesting. It was pretty pretty advanced, especially when they got to Tesla Crypt 4.0, when they fixed their flaws, they added like additional layers of complexity. And it took me a while. Once he gave me the notes on how he reversed that one, I had a little difficulty because it was like multiple layers of elliptical curve technology and like a ton of math. (laughs) You get anywhere from that craziness that's just like, kind of slightly above my head almost to mm-hmm. um just like really stupid ones with like a static here's the exact same key is going to be used every time or just simple XORing or something like that.
0: Mhm. They're using sort of off the shelf kind of stuff
1: sometimes. Yeah. But- in terms of like uh, off the shelf for ransomware so to say i have seen some that use commercial products for encryption one example was a campaign that i think they used the product truecrypt hmm. and they used it cuz it's a secure actually vetted product and they just basically abused it generate some random key and and in that case we couldn't break it because it was actually a human like on the machine running the malware copying the key to their clipboard and back you know, saving it back on their computer. So it's hmm. not like the key was generated somewhere that we know of. There's also been, um, I believe there's one that used a library. Uh, I can't quite remember the name, but it was an, it was another commercial encryption library. It's, Somewhat common. I mean, when it comes to using encryption, the best thing, even just in general, not for ransomware, but the best thing is to never spin your own crypto. <laughs> so there there have been some ransomware that are hilariously broken because they tried to invent their own crypto. That didn't quite work out for them.
0: <laughs> I see. So it, they exceeded their own uh, sophistication when it, when it came <laughs> to being able to do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's why you see a lot of ransomware. Like Probably the number one algorithm you're going to see is AES because that's... Mm-hmm. You know known to be secure if they're generating and handling the keys right is another thing but that that's usually where we look for a flaw if we see that it's using aes and we confirm it's properly implemented i've seen some custom implementations of aes that were wrong i think one of them might have led to uh breaking it usually if they get it correct enough it's not decryptable at least by breaking the algorithm
0: i see well, walk me through the actual process when you are presented with a new strain of ransomware and you're initially taking a look at it to evaluate how you're going to go at it. Just from the beginning, walk us through how you go about
1: that. I'll throw a shameless plug out here. I do have a YouTube channel where I actually make videos of how I do this. Oh, great. Kind of from a beginner perspective. Uh, the very uh-huh. first one, I was pretty nervous. It was the first time I recorded uh, like a video <laughs> on my own. So I kind of stutter a bit, but I kind of do go over the points of like from beginning, what's my thought process. And if I remember right, I had like three main objectives in the first video. The first one is, is this a ransomware? Cause I'm just given a you know, in most cases, I'm just given a executable via victim and they're just suspicious thinking, you know, this, I, I think this is what infected me. It's not always the case. You know, it might just be that their system just has a crap ton of other malware on it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So the first thing is, is this a ransomware? So I kind of show how, as I'm analyzing it, some indicators. I might, like, look at the strings in the malware, and I might see parts of the ransom note, or I might see, like, certain functions that I know are used for cryptography. Those are usually pretty good clues that okay this this might be a ransomware. My second objective is usually how can I identify this? So it, like is this a new ransomware or is it just a rehash of an existing family? You know, does it leave an extension? What does its ransom note look like? What does the encryption look like? Does it leave a file marker? My main Goal for that is for how to identify this on my service ID ransomware Mm -hmm. so that I can feed some indicators in there to identify when victims upload their files. So then the third thing I keep in mind is can I break it? (laughs) I'll look for clues to see, you know, what type of encryption it's using, if it's secure, kind of what their crypto scheme, how they're using the encryption, if they're encrypting keys, if they're doing different layers of encryption with different algorithms, if there's a weak point in that, then I kind of look into how they're generating the key. Sometimes also just thinking some outside of the box, like any way of attacking it, basically.
0: Now, when you're doing those comparisons to previously known strains of ransomware, is there any automation there or is that a manual process or is it a combination of the two?
1: It's definitely a combination. Honestly, one of the first steps I do, if I'm not completely sure, is I'll run them out. Um, I kind of do this in tandem when I am analyzing it, like, say, in a decompiler or a, a debugger. I also might execute it and actually run it on a virtual machine and then just grab the encrypted files and compare them to the originals. Because I have, like, some bait files that I know what they're supposed to look like and kind of compare what they look like afterward. I'll kind of be doing that, but I'll also, as soon as I get the encrypted file and the ransom note, I'll actually submit them to my own website. Because <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. at this point, it identifies over 700 ransomware, and sometimes, like, I get them so mixed up in my mind anymore. <laughs> sure, yeah. Now, I'll be like, that am- extension looks kind of familiar, or that, that mm-hmm. note, the text looks familiar. But nowadays, so many ransomware are just spoofing and copying each other. So even if the note sounds familiar to me, I can't really trust that because they they just keep copying each other's notes nowadays. It's really annoying.
0: (laughs) What happens when you run into something that isn't actually ransomware, that might be pretending to be? I'm I'm thinking of, we've heard of some of these strains that are merely destructive.
1: I've ran into maybe one of those myself. I want to say, I sometimes don't analyze the more sophisticated ones because I am honestly kind of a beginner still. Um, Uh So like the stuff like Petya and WannaCry, those were above my head on analyzing those at the time. Of course, that was also, you know, several years ago with a lot less experience under my belt. (laughs) Right. So I think I have ran into one ransomware that I can think of that was destructive and I was able to prove that it didn't do any encryption at all. It just wrote random garbage to files. You know, usually Mm -hmm. if if I do discover that, it's kind of the gray line whether that is ransomware, of course, since it's not Mm -hmm. encrypting, but I still kind of put a PSA out there. If it has an indicator, like if it uses an extension or something, I'll still add it to my website in case someone does Mm -hmm. upload, then I can point them to a source saying, don't pay, because it's no good. (laughs) Every bit of information helps the community. Yep. So it kind of depends on the circumstance if I kind of get like frustrated or, you know, might pass it on to someone else. I want to say it leaves my envelope of interest when the crypto's not there. <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. Well, can you give us some insights on the community that exists for decrypting these sorts of things? You know, you have a a certain level of knowledge and sophistication. Certainly there are people coming up behind you who are newer at this, but there are also folks who have skills that exceed your own. And, And how do you all communicate with each other and share things and learn from each other?
1: you know of course i've got internal assets with the analysts at emsisoft it's kind of interesting because like my angle of getting into this is separate from anyone else because everyone else started out with analyzing malware just in general any viruses worms trojans you know all of that they're focused on analyzing malware and being able to protect their customers from it and stuff like that and I kind of jumped into the game, I only care about ransomware. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I don't come from a background of, you know, that foundation of just malware and then transforming it into ransomware. It's pretty similar in terms of the process of how you reverse it. It's just the ransomware kind of adds the crypto to it. So there's a little more just like an extra layer on top of it. But so I, I do have those uh, internal assets at Soft with the lab guys. One of those, including the famous Fabian Wosar. He kind of mentors me in some respect. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then I also am part of kind of a more vendor agnostic group called Ransomware Hunting Team. Mm. And uh, we, we actually um, I'm one of the the Kind of founding members of it from several years ago. I can't name a lot of names, but it's almost semi underground sort of. We have a lot of members from different antivirus companies and cybersecurity companies. We just like have a Slack channel that we communicate with a lot of the ransomware and hunting it and trying to break it down
0: mm-hmm avengers assemble right
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah
0: well and i suppose i mean it must be particularly gratifying when you're able to successfully publish a decryptor for something like this
1: yep it definitely is i've been writing decryptors for several years now and some are a little more i want to say some are a little more satisfying than others <laughs> hmm. how so well, for instance, probably the, one of the ones I'm most proud of was a ransomware called Vortex. It was mostly attacking victims in Poland. I actually kind of touched on this in one of my videos, but I didn't go into the full story, I don't think. But basically, the ransomware was using a public password generator to make the the encryption password is like reaching out to an API on a website of someone that had a generate a a 40 character password using my Hmm. site type of thing. So I actually had reached out to the owner of that website and I I didn't expect him to be like logging passwords. He explained, you know, I was like, I read the owner's like blog and I could tell he was pretty security conscious and Mm -hmm. I actually could see like the front end code kind of looked like he kind of was being very conscious of not storing passwords and stuff like that. But, of course, you, you know, you still have to if you're generating a password on a website, you still got to be judgmental of it. <laughs> so I kind of I kind of approached him. I was like, hey, I've, I've got this ransomware that's encrypting victims files and it's getting the password from your website. Is there something we can do to, you know, try to combat this? And basically through a series of emails, I kind of anonymously, he was able to provide me some of the code that he used to generate the password, but it ended up being like it was muddied. Basically, it was a PHP server. He had the password generation script running inside of WordPress. The the way that I would attack that key gen by predicting its passwords was really complicated with the way that WordPress kind of already seeded the number generator an Hmm. unknown amount of times it's kind of like this dance with the with the guy i didn't want to just blatantly be like hand me the keys to your whole server and how to break everything on your server but i also you know i wanted to break just these keys so i kind of did a little dance with trying to get some just enough information for me to try to figure it out myself Uh, i mean he was very very cooperative but he was also you know rightly so like yeah i can't give you the keys to everything (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I just had to figure out a few variables. And it took quite a while to figure out, but I did end up figuring out a method of breaking the keys. There was like two reasons I was really proud of that one. One was just how much work I put into it. And I actually, you know, found a way. It, it was kind of inefficient looking back, but, you know, it worked.
0: <laughs> yeah. For the folks who you're helping decrypt their files, they don't care. They, they get their yeah. stuff back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. But the other part was the uh, actually the cert for Poland, cert pl or whatever. They had approached the same website owner and hmm. got the exact same information. They probably s- subpoenaed it from him. But <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they got the same information I did and they analyzed it and they deemed it not breakable. Hmm. They saw the flaw that I saw, but they thought it was not feasible, I should say. So I kind of had that, uh, that little inner gloat when I was like, well, I've, I've broken like 100 keys yeah. of it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, oh, yeah? Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, yeah, I was pretty proud of that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, good for you. Good for you. Well, if folks want to um, follow your exploits, follow your journey, how do we find you on YouTube?
1: On YouTube, my uh, username is Demonslay335, which is uh, the same as my Twitter. And the website is? Website is ID Ransomware, kind of has a long URL. <laughs> it's ID-Ransomware.MalwareHunterTeam.com. Ransomware And mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. honestly, you can just Google ID Ransomware and it's pretty popular. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right, let me ask you one more question, though. Sure. What are your recommendations for folks who think this is something that they want to learn how to do? What's the best way to get started?
1: Honestly, I just kind of jumped into it is how i did it there are some resources out there i can't think of anything specific unfortunately but there's quite a bit of resources on you know general programming if you want to get into reverse engineering definitely having a a core background of some programming knowledge is key and then you know just start looking into communities there's some free communities like i want to say virus bay where you can download malicious samples they have some guides there's a couple of other websites that have guides on how to make a secure like a virtual environment for, you know, not getting yourself infected off off the bat. (laughs) I do have on my channel is more beginner videos specifically for ransomware. I do, like I said, the first one is just literally me talking about my thought process of analyzing. I kind of go into a bit of static analysis, just very on the surface, looking at the strings and looking at some of the import functions. And then from there, my my next videos in the series go into a little more in-depth of using a debugger, doing some decompiling, messing with a server, some different things, kind of kind of baby steps.
0: Our thanks to Michael Gillespie from Emsisoft for joining us. We'll have links to the ID Ransomware website and his YouTube channel in the show notes.